Today on the Topping Show, Vivek on shutting down the ATF and the Ruby Ridge Massacre, Anheuser-Busch cold one tweets, get some cold roof comments, Ray Epps gets a slap on the wrist for January 6th, fueling the theory that he is in fact a Fed, Hewlett Packard Enterprise to buy Juniper Networks for $14 billion, Miller Lite to debut Beer Mints, and Ford Focus, well, it did not have enough focus apparently because it is being recalled. All of that much more on the Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see. That's a joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of January, so if you click that button, I'd greatly appreciate it. Now going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Hewlett Packard Enterprise to buy Juniper Networks for $14 billion in all cash. Now, this is pretty surprising to see my former employer go out and buy yet another networking company, especially at that price point. That's a 32% price point premium on the current Juniper stock price. Now granted, that fluctuates every seemingly every microsecond, so by the time this video is rendered and published, that 32% premium might be more or less, depending on what it's trading at, but still, there's one of those instances where Hewlett Packard Enterprise, they say this is going to help them with their AI computing, and maybe. So, Hewlett Packard used to have a very rudimentary networking technology, especially for Wi Fi. It was one step above Walmart Wi Fi, which, again, if you're a business, which is, again, Hewlett Packard Enterprise, they are exclusively for business environments, unless you're a techie like me and you like having some enterprise gear at your house. But if you go to somewhere like Nebraska Furniture Mart, and you look up at the ceiling, you'll see some Aruba Networks gear, same thing at Home Depot, you'll see some Aruba Networks Wi-Fi, I forget the AP, or the access point model number, but nevertheless, it's a fun game. If you ever go to a store, you like to kind of nerd out like me, play the iSpy game for the networking access points. But nevertheless, Hewlett Packard Enterprise was best known for servers and storage. Subsequently, they bought out Aruba Networks, which is formerly founded and CEO by Kirti Moti, a brilliant engineer and founder, in fact, and that was pretty good. They had some great, they were really, really best known for Wi-Fi technologies being easy to deploy and manage. And HP bought them out. They treated them almost as an independent subsidiary for the first couple of years, which I think is the best way to really get a lot of the benefits since you're able to move, as a company, you can move more agile, helps customers better. There's a lot of upside to that. And subsequently, Kirti is no longer there, unfortunately. And it's one of those things where it's become more integrated into the parent company, Hewlett Packard Enterprise. And Juniper Networks, if you look at like your networking options for IT or enterprise IT, you have Cisco, which is the 800 pound gorilla. They more or less invented the whole product category and they have well over 50% market share. And there's even an age old saying, no one ever got fired for buying Cisco. Though when I was a field representative for Aruba Networks, I would always joke and say, yes, but no one ever got promoted. Why not be bold and try something different? But nevertheless, you basically had Cisco, then you had Aruba, which Hewlett Packard Enterprise bought, and then you had Juniper. And then you have some other companies that you could debate if Fortinet is really a networking company. They're a firewall company that later became a networking company, making wireless access points, switches, and now even phones and more things than I could possibly count. So they've expanded exponentially, but in terms of the industry categories, there's not a lot of networking options. There's basically the big three, one could perhaps compare it to the Detroit Automotive Companies. And I'm not sure if the SEC is going to sign off on this because in terms of options, this really narrows them down. Now, it looks like looking at the article from Emma Thorne over on LinkedIn, they noted that, again, it's a 15, no, sorry, $14 billion bid. And it's going to be the goal is to boost their artificial intelligence, which there is some great intellectual property. Juniper Networks, I believe, is fiscal... 23Q2 or Q1, a couple years ago, perhaps, they actually bought up Mist, which Mist, which is kind of a funny name when so many things in IT are compared to vaporware, which is things you advertise but never actually come to the market. Now, Mist was a very well-known enterprise wireless access point company that utilized a lot of AI technologies to make the solution easier to deploy and manage and maintain. And Juniper went out and bought that company since Juniper was best known for switches. Switches not being the Nintendo Switch, but the Switch where you have lots of Ethernet, you know, yeah, all the cables plugged in there. 
trying to make this somewhat rudimentary so you can understand it um, on a conceptual level and not have to dive into the details. So Juniper did buy out Mist, and that's been integrated into their full stack of solutions. Now, Juniper switches, though, the architecture is very different. It's kind of like a di in many, in some cases, almost like a different language. You have people that are Cisco guys. They train Cisco also has a great monopoly on the training community, the certifications. So there's some, it'll be interesting to see like, how does this integrate into Hewlett Packard Enterprise, their legacy switching technologies. And with Aruba, the interfaces in terms of your online management, perhaps that hopefully I'll get upgraded. It's been lacking past couple of years, unfortunately. I, maybe it's just nostalgia, but myself included, a lot of people I talk to when it comes to the user interface, like somewhere when you're logging in to make changes at your home network, when you log into the Aruba portal, it's not as great as it used to be before HPE bottom out started to integrate more into the HPE portals. So it'll be interesting to go through it. Now, in the article, they did note that, you know, let's see here. Thanks to increased antitrust scrutiny by the U.S. government, there may be some calls to investigate this to see if it creates a duopoly. Because, again, the actual size of Juniper Networks in terms of the market isn't that, isn't that big. Don't get me wrong, it's still a little bit over a billion dollars, I believe, per year revenue. Which, again, that's a lot of money. But for tech companies, when you look at Cisco Networks, Cisco Networks is, I believe, it's like 40 or $50 billion a year. <laughs> Excuse me. So in terms of, they're the probably the smallest, biggest IT company I could probably think of where they had the name recognition, they've been around for decades, they had a pretty good market share in certain niche applications, and K-12 really appreciated them because they're a lot of times their more economical price point, K-12 being public education, kindergarten through 12th grade. So, but now, if this does go through, you'll have HPE, Aruba, and Juniper, and then you'll have Cisco. I mean, you could argue Fortinet, but again, their main bread and butter where they make most of their money is firewalls. The switching and networking is in their core competency. You could argue Arista Networks. They are growing. I think they're best known for data center enterprise switches, which many of these companies are. But when I say the data center switches, they, the largest ones are almost the size of a smart car. Well, not what, eh, about give or take. So it'll be interesting to see if this actually goes through. But this is pretty big news in the business world, especially in the tech world, where, again, HP's done a couple acquisitions. They bought Silver Peak last year, which helped them bolster the SD WAN offerings. But, yeah, it's just, it'll be interesting to see what's happened to what happens to legacy products. I mean, realistically, this hopefully will not affect end users in a detrimental way for at least, I would say, 36 months. When you look at the time it takes to integrate a legacy a new part of the business into the legacy part of the business in terms of, well, actually integrating it technological-wise, as well as sales representatives, customer support. That'll take quite some time, but it does beg the question, what's going to happen to the legacy switches? Or are they just going to take the software, the intellectual property from Juniper, overlay that, and let the legacy actual hardware for Juniper die, which might be the most likely outcome? We saw this with Hewlett Packard Enterprise when they bought out SimpliVity, as which was uh, another that was more data center uh, hybrid server storage, uh, hybrid converged rather is the industry term, and then you did see them. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other, it was Simplivity. Then they had another one, which excuse me, Nimble actually. So Nimble was a huge storage company. Again, they had predictive analysts that they had predictive software technologies that would actually know when your hard drives are going to fail before you did, and that was basically the secret sauce that made Nimble Technology a great storage solution. So Hewlett Packard Enterprise subsequently bought out that company. And for a while you had the HPE storage where it was just that product. They re at first you know, just rebranded it, but then eventually that technology, that software integrated it into all their storage solutions. Now it's going to the servers. And subsequently there's no more Nimble storage. This, I believe it was within the first 12 months the sales reps were all let go. The support stayed for a little bit longer. But I think this might be a very similar situation where you just have the intellectual property and the software from Juniper Networks and subsequently Mist Networks, and they just put it onto the Aruba portfolio for, again, Aruba being the largest, that was the networking company HPE bought out. And truth be told, I should have brought an access point to put it on the table. It's a little display accoutrement. But nevertheless, it'll be interesting to see. But let me know in the comments, do you think the SEC will shoot this down? Again, it's, Juniper doesn't have, a huge 
part of the market, but they themselves are one of the biggest. So it's not like they own, I don't even think they own double digits in terms of the market share for Juniper. But let me double check these details real quick. I'm trying to see, let's see here. And of course, hindsight's 2020 after this news, Juniper, their stock jumped up. Interesting enough, HPE actually went down a little bit, perhaps because they're so concerned about other past integrations where they didn't make money off the acquisition or just wasn't as smooth as they planned. But yeah, let me know in the comments, do you think this will go through? And then let me know if you want me to cover more tech news. In the business part, I try to keep it pretty diverse, though obviously I have my bias, I'm a big gearhead, so I, like to, I usually like to follow the automotive community, the tech community. So let me know in the comments if you want me to continue to diversify the different business topics that we do cover in the show. And of course, as I always say, more feedback, the better. Other interesting business news, you have Miller Lite to debut Beer Mints, which I never thought was a thing until now. Now this comes with thanks to Mike Snyder over at USA Today. And, <coughs> excuse me, now they know that Miller Lite is re releasing a non-alcoholic beer mints for those participating in dry January. So in terms of marketing, it is kind of hilarious to juxtapose this to Budweiser, where Budweiser said, why don't you celebrate the new year with a bucket of beer? Which, I, again, I can't think of a sadder way to ring in the new year than drinking a Budweiser. I mean, at least have a good whiskey or something so you don't, something that actually tastes good. But nevertheless, this is an interesting just position where this company is trying to, I, I don't think this is really going to expand the, the product categories in terms of this is going to be a big part of their business in the future. I mean, because again, for how much revenue they get from the actual liquids that they sell, I mean, I, I should clarify, I don't think this is going to be a huge product category. I think it'll be maybe more successful than a traditional novelty item. Now, they describe this, say that, let's see here. They say this mints will have, which, this is a quote. Quote, the same great taste as Miller Lite, only without the beer, unquote. Which, again, I'm not a beer connoisseur, but does anyone really like the taste of Bud Light, Miller Lite, Budweiser? I, I understand they're a entry-level price point beer beverage and they have some alcohol in them so you could certainly inebriate yourself but I don't know even back when I was in college it was I mean Bud Light and all the you know those beers are just kind of known as being just low price point beer it really it wasn't too much brand loyalty now they say the new beer mints will sell for five dollars for a tin of 40 mints and they will go on sale at MillerLightBeerMints.com January 12th while supplies last. Now they also note that a second beer mint drop is planned for January 19th. And when asked for comment, they said, quote, we created beer mints for the folks participating in dry January who might miss the taste of Miller Lite while being out with friends this January, unquote. This is from Ann Legion, the vice president of marketing for Miller products at Molson Coors, which obviously, or not obviously, if you're not aware, that's a parent company behind that particular brand. And I can't help it. Is this just for hardcore alcoholics? Because again, what? It's not that great of a taste to begin with. I can't help but think if you're so desperate to have the taste of Miller Lite that you had to buy mints, you might need some professional help, or maybe just have some, a couple of extra friends in your life. Now, when asked for additional comments, she said, "Quote: If you love the taste of beer but want to take a break from the." ABV for the month, we're offering consumers the perfect way to enjoy Miller Lite without breaking any resolutions. Beer mints may be a little unexpected, but we're confident our fans will love their great taste along with a surprising note of spearmint. Unquote. Which, a, a beer, I, I mean, I don't think, it, I was just about to say it might be more popular to have a product like a mint-infused beer. But even that, I think, would probably be as popular as what they're making here, which is these beer mints. And when asked for, now they claim this is how they taste. You'll taste the freshness of mint, but when you chew the mint, the subtle taste, great yet great taste of Miller Lite emerges. Unquote. And they, it's hilarious to have to describe what a mint is. So they, they clarify too as well. They say, quote, the mint leaves consumers' breath feeling fresh and their taste buds hoppy, unquote. Which, 
I guess I do appreciate a little pun or a little wordplay where it says happy instead of happy. I don't know if that's intended or not, but that's how I interpreted it. So again, it'll be interesting to see how much demand there is for beer-flavored mints. But, I mean, this seems like one of those novelty things. Like Kevin literally always says on Shark Tank where there's certain products where they're not investable in terms of you're not going to knock it out of the park, you can't make a living on the product, but there are certain novelty items that can make a short-term profit. And think of things like the Pet Rock which was actually brilliant marketing. People bought a pet rock, which was just a rock in a box with a little manual. I mean, that was brilliant marketing. It made a guy a millionaire, and the cost of goods are very, very, very you know, small. But you only buy it once, and again, it's a novelty. It's not something to make your life more productive, and not, certainly not to make you more intellectually creative. I, I mean, this seems like a stocking stuffer for Christmas for like an alcoholic uncle or something. But let me know in the comments, would you ever purchase Miller Lite beer mints and do you think this will be a long-term product will this just be they make this one year and they never do it again or could this be so successful that they sell it throughout the year not just in dry january and when people are attempting to have new year's resolutions and i say attempting because unfortunately many people don't write down their goals just statistically speaking that means they're less likely to achieve their goals a lot of people get discouraged they stop it nevertheless i i don't know to me this will i Given the volume of product they could probably move, they'll probably make a short-term profit on this. Who knows? I might be wrong. This might be the best idea in the world. And maybe tomorrow, everyone will have their pockets lined with beer mints. But, I don't know. I would say this is most likely going to be a short-term trend. But, who knows? As I always say, time shall tell. Now going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Anheuser-Busch cold one tweet is ratioed with mostly cold comments. Now again, you have Anheuser-Busch and Bev owning 40 plus beer brands and in terms of marketing, it is good to have each individual profiles for all these on the social media so you can have individual marketing campaigns, you reach different consumers that have different preferences for taste. Well, wait a minute. I would argue they probably all taste the same. So you can reach individual consumers who have different levels of burnt taste buds or lacking of taste buds. Perhaps is a more accurate description now that I think about it. And Anheuser-Busch, that's the U.S.-based entity. Grant is still a huge Belgian-based Anheuser-Busch in Bev. Anheuser-Busch used to be, you know, family-based, good old, uh, but nevertheless, I digress. Now, they had a little tweet, or as some people call it, a, a, excuse me, a post on X, Twitter. And Anheuser-Busch simply said, quote, Now, that's what we call a cold one, unquote, with that in all caps. And they did use punctuation properly, so... They do have someone in the grammar department there. Now, the picture that they chose to display is a, I suppose that's a fridge. But, well, yeah, it looks like it's lined up in little, like a little rack in a fridge. And it's five Budweiser bottles. And it's got a little, little layer of frost all over all the bottles of Budweiser. And, eh, in terms of good marketing, it looks like the glass is actually manufactured to the point where the mold in the glass has a little indent for the Anheuser-Busch logo. And given how much they've destroyed the brand Bud Light, which again, Bud Light lost about 30% of their sales week over week since the April 1st Dill Mulvaney controversy. Who again, they paid $185,000 for like two pictures and a video, which, geez louise, I can't imagine making so much money for doing so little, but they thought it boosted their sales. It didn't, quite the antithesis, it destroyed about 30% of Bud Light. Now, Budweiser, that's only about down around 10% of their sales. So perhaps, in 2024, this year, that'll be the brand they try to focus on salvaging because perhaps that's the one that they could turn around the easiest. And when we look at the comments on social media, usually Bud Light is the one that has the biggest ratios in terms of overwhelming majority of those comments, usually derisive, well, highly entertaining, but they're against the company. Now, Budweiser, usually like a Ron DeSantis 50-50 split, but let's dive in the comments and see what they look like. I could already tell, unfortunately, they used the little sensor button so if you have that little button at the bottom, or yeah, bottom right of the photo that they post on X Twitter, it's a little hide button. So you gotta click that button to find the cool stuff. Now, it looks like I wrote down the statistics and within 24 hours, they got 24,000 views. So not too, I mean, still terrible for a multi-billion dollar company, but for them, not too shabby. And then they got 401 likes, which is pretty terrible to say the least. Not to brag, but I did get 10 likes on video recently. But, obviously, mine were the best likes of all time. Quality over quantity every time. Now, 
I mean, perhaps this will be a really effective tweet where everyone's like, yeah, we love that your beer is in a fridge. And he says, statistically speaking, the safest, safest place for it. Heaven forbid someone actually drinks it. But let's dive in the comments. Now, the first one comes from Davo. And he says, another cold one, Lake Michigan, Chicago side. I pray he's okay. Because, again, let's just say Chicago will be safe and good next year. Like the Bears. Haha, <laughs> that's a joke. Because, yeah, they statistically speaking, they never will. That's what they've, they were saying that when I was a kid back in the day growing up in the Midwest. Yeah, not so much Chicago. But it is, in fact, a picture of Budweiser. Now, I can't help but wonder, is Davo in charge of marketing? Davo, he joined X in 2009, has 208 followers. Looking at his profile, and he is, again, just someone who wants free crap. So he's done the, you know, repost to win a gift card for all these different myriad of garbage, including Roku, Domino's, what is this? Tennessee Tournament Challenge. Domino's pizza again, Roku, sports balls. So perhaps he's hoping they'll send him a case of Budweiser, which I was going to say, I don't know if that's a death threat these days, but uh, I can't imagine getting, getting, someone sending that to me. Scrolling down, and Budweiser actually, or Anheuser Bush, did respond to that. So it looks like that picture got two likes, which again, for Anheuser Bush, that's pretty good. Usually, all the comments that are positive and neutral towards the brand are usually. Getting zero or at most one like. They got two likes. That's might be a record. And I suspect Anheuser Bush, in fact, was one of the people who liked it. But again, that's partially their job. And they did actually respond. So usually they have perhaps many of them are inebriated by drinking copious amounts of Bud Light. I can only assume they're doing that at the headquarters the past couple of year, you know, past near year with their marketing decisions. Because usually they don't even respond to the people that are giving them accolades or you know being neutral on social media. In this case, they did. So perhaps they're waking up from their stupor. Just a little bit. Now, Anna Bush said, quote, that's our kind of view to respond to that gentleman who had the picture of the can of Budweiser by the lake. Although no one liked the Bud, the Anna Bush in the Anna Bush reply. No one liked it, but it's there. Another one comes from Karen Schmaninsky, and she simply says, ooh, that got two likes as well. And it looks like Anna Bush replied to her saying there's nothing better, which I can't fathom how sad your life would be to have that type of perspective or that delusion. There's nothing better in life than a cold Budweiser. Nothing? Like, if your life is that bad and that down, I I highly recommend you seek some religious help or so, some type of faith or family or friends. Seek something immediately because life will get better. I, statistically speaking, it's more often than not it will. Just, you know, work hard. But I can't imagine... If you work hard, stay positive. There will come a time in your life where you don't think of the best thing in your life being a cold bottle of Budweiser. I, I hope I'm never that down on my luck, but I know some are. But if you try hard, you will get past that point, I assure you. But apparently, that's what Karen, yeah, Karen's saying, ooh. And Anne Hester Bush says there's nothing better. And two people did like her comment. John B says, quote, super cold, go bud. Excuse me. And as Bush replied, saying only the coldest and the best for us. Fact checked, it is, it is certainly not the best. I, if you were to ask 100 people what brand of beer they consider the best, I, no one would say that. I, again, if you had like unlimited budget, like if you want maybe the pre best per price point, perhaps, but the best, like of all the beers, Budweiser is the best. Again, I can't fathom being, maybe they never had other beers before. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to say. Where's the, where's the fact checkers on the X Twitter? I certainly can't believe that's true. And John B, let's go to this profiler. He says super cold. He has 162 followers, joined in 2011. Let's see here. And... I'll be damned. Person's got original thoughts. Likes that. Likes the, what's a Pokemon game called? Squirtle? Wordle? Wordle. Yeah, that one. Pretty sure it's a spin-off Pikachu and Pokemon. Nevertheless, he looks like he has a lot of tweets around that game, whatever the heck it is. 
So it is a real profile. I'll be damned. A real person responded who isn't just a bot or someone who's inebriated. Cody Haggerty replied saying, quote, The best Budweiser I ever had was at the St. Louis at the headquarters. He got two likes for that. He has 56 followers, joined in 2017. And he is... A big sports balls fan who just wants to win a bunch of stuff. Lots of repeats, retweets, retweets. And he likes, what is that? What the car where it goes in the circle a lot? Oh yeah, NASCAR. Yes, 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 yes. Where they turn to the left, I believe. Nevertheless, it looks like that was mostly retweeting, but he's a fan of the NASCAR. That did get two likes. Andrew Bush lies. They respond to him. They say, the freshest beer you'll ever taste, unquote. The freshest beer you'll ever taste is Anheuser-Busch at the factory. Or, I guess more accurate term might be the brewery. Again? How do we define freshness? Every, I mean, beer's made somewhere. Presumably, the freshest would be if you brewed it yourself. Yeah, I don't know about that, Anheuser-Busch. Freshest? I don't know about that. And again, I got two likes. So, let's see. We'll do one more before we get to the real ones. Or the ones that are actually getting more than two likes. Let's see. Steel says... Has a picture of the Bud... Or not Budweiser branded, but the emoji of the beer glass. And he, he simply just said Bud. And his profile picture is in fact... is a It's a picture of a Budweiser can... He has 63 followers, joined in 2009, so been around for quite some time on the X Twitter. Let's see here. And go through accounts. And repost a lot for Budweiser. So I don't know if he works there or just a, maybe he's a legitimate fan. But very much repeats or reposts for Budweiser, like everything. But let's go down to the comments that are actually getting, you know, real likes. So the first comment they got one or two likes comes from Digital One Profit, and he says, quote, Dusty, been sitting too long, unquote, in reference to the frosty Budweiser bottles. They got 24 likes, which, as youth might say, the ratio, to say the least. Or they did the ratio? I'll have to read Urban Dictionary later today and figure that out for sure. So again, going down to see even more of those comments, Honest Feedback says, quote, must be hard to try to generate good vibes for such a damaged brand, unquote. They got 24 likes. It is I, says, quote, no one said you could come out of your room yet, son, unquote, getting 19 likes. Let's see, Sonic says, that looks like frozen Bill Gates bathwater, unquote, getting seven likes. E replied, saying, quote, could be dusty, unquote, and has a gif, or as you might call it a gif, of a gentleman blowing copious amounts of dust off a old electric guitar. They got 14 likes. The colorblind beekeeper says, quote, not as cold as your earnings the past couple quarters, unquote, getting 11 likes. Never fear says, quote, why is there dust on them in the picture, unquote, getting 7 likes. Conservative voice of reason replied, saying, quote, no thank you, unquote, getting 12 likes. Jeremy Bauman says, quote, is that dust? It looks like dust, unquote, getting nine likes. Wolfhound says, quote, nope, never again, unquote, getting nine likes. Sandman says, quote, thanks for introducing me to Yangling Beer, unquote, getting five likes. Mordemir Retardinary says, quote, now that's what we call a dead brand, unquote, getting ten likes. Doofist says, quote, literally looks like dust since no one is buying your beer, unquote, getting three likes. Matthew Neal says, quote, been there unsold so long they froze, unquote, getting nine likes. McDefish says, quote, that's dust from sitting on the shelf too long, unquote. That got 12 likes. Michigan Beer Tester says, quote, none missing from that cooler either, unquote, getting 10 likes. Bartman says, quote, ha ha ha, they look dusty, unquote, getting four likes. Budak Ash says, quote, the cooler full of beers no one buys, not even Dylan, unquote, getting 10 likes. Which brings up a good, hilarious point. I would venture to say Dylan Mulvaney never actually bought a Bud Light product or Bud Light beer before they chose to sponsor Dylan for 
Again, $185,000 for that promo. Yeah, I wonder if there's any pictures of Dylan with a Manager Bush Inbev product prior to being sponsored. Going to comments again, you got Brian Burke simply says, I'll pass on quote, getting five likes. Anthony Leach uses a little wordplay. He says, quote, Anheuser Bush, unquote, getting six likes. And there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There are many more comments saying, is that dust getting between zero and three likes? Actually, more than that. And between one and five likes. Frank Rizzo says, quote, Mexican word of the day, Budweiser. And it's a picture of a Mexican gentleman wearing the sombrero. And the text below it says, quote, they say she is a woman, Budweiser panties look like they have a burrito in them, unquote. That got 13 likes. Let's see here. Not the mama says, quote, looks like an old one, unquote, getting six likes. Anthony Christensen says, quote, notice how the shelves are full. No one wants your beer, even if Peyton sold out, unquote, getting five likes. Let's see here. Yeah, the Dridge said, quote, you did this, and is a gif of Dill Mulvaney in a pink female sweater, pink glasses, laughing maniacally with the, I forget the gentleman's name, but it, he dresses as, wears a dress, and I believe it's a teacher, um, and tells kids that they should not talk to their parents, but they should confide in this stranger. Um, many people would use the term grooming. That gif got seven likes. And even more ridiculous, they're inside and they're putting on sunglasses. But that aside, see here, a lot of throw up emojis and memes. Mr. Dr. Fatback says, quote, Budweiser profits. It looks like a little gif of an alien dying of thirst. It got six likes. Let's see here. A lot more comments about dust. Knight Ronan did a gif of a picture of Bud Light bottles. And they say in text, quote, Bud Light's slogan went from real men of genius to real women with a penis, unquote. They got eight likes. Ranting Ryan says, quote, too fratty for me, bro, unquote, getting two likes, which is a reference to the former, well, she's apparently on a paid leave of absence or a leave of absence, Alyssa Heiderschild, who is the marketing director in charge of this brilliant idea to hire Dylan Mulvaney, and a video of her came out saying she thought the brand was too fratty. And billions of dollars lost sales later. Yeah, turns out that was not smart to say and execute that plan. See here. Many more memes of Dill Mulvaney. Now I'll get to the bottom. It says show additional replies, including those that may contain offensive content. Of course, let's click the bonus button. That wasn't too, not too many. There's one that's covered up from River City Dude. And I have no idea if this is an actor I don't know who it is, but they are wearing a black V-neck and they're saying, quote, super, super, super duper gay, unquote, getting two likes. And if we scroll back to the very, very top of the original post from Anheuser Bush, there's that little button that says, you know, hide comments. Let's see what uh, Anheuser Bush is hiding today. Click on that. And wow, they are ramping up the censorship. Usually they're Previously, when we covered this, there's one or two. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten hidden comments. So these are the super secret ones they don't want you to know about. Obviously, let's dive in. Maggie Milo says, quote, where's Alyssa, unquote, getting one like. This profile name is just called A. A says, quote, that's what I call a bunch of pedos trying to look like they are normal people. Screw you, unquote, getting one like. Oh, let's see here. Curtissa67 says, quote, they are all outdated, would be my guess, F. Anheuser-Busch, unquote, getting two likes. Right from, <coughs> excuse me, right from the D says, quote, freezer burns since no one buying them except Dill Mulvaney, unquote, getting three likes. JSB12 says, quote, boycott is still on regardless of what Dana White says, unquote, getting three likes. Boo Dog Democrat says, quote, is that the way Dylan likes them, unquote, getting four likes. Oh, this is the super hidden. So this is hidden. And then it also apparently may have gone against Twitter's terms and conditions. So you had to click two buttons to see this. Scarface simply replied with a picture of the iconic prolific picture of someone standing on a, gra <laughs> excuse me, on a grave doing the peace sign. And they had a gravestone that says Anheuser Bush 1876 to 2023. And it's a picture of Alyssa Heiderschild photoshopped and the person doing the little peace sign. They got two likes. Let's see here. Dave says, quote, looks dusty, boycott Budweiser. 
and it is a picture of Dil Mulvaney in a ponytail wearing a female swimsuit. And below Dil, that is a picture of a, a man dressed as a horse or like a Halloween horse costume. And juxtaposed is a picture of a biological woman who's extremely attractive. And below her is a real picture of a horse. That was also hidden. Hip Plains Drifter says, quote, boycott is still in progress, idiots. Coach Dan says, quote, do those beers have an expiration date, unquote? So as youth might say, Anders Bush was ratio to say the least. And it's fascinating to see from a cultural perspective. It almost seems as if the boycott has increased a little bit. Where in terms of the social media prior to this, eh, it's maybe Ron DeSantis ratio, about half the comments were negative for the Anheuser-Busch social media profiles. Again, this is just one outlet of social media being on X Twitter. But yeah, I have not seen so many negative comments in quite some time. And I can't help but think the outlook for them in 2024, probably not going to be too much better, even though they are spending record amounts on marketing and getting sponsorship deals with the UFC and multiple sports balls fans and sports balls figures and other musicians as well. But let me know in the comments. Do you think these negative comments on social media will start to go away throughout the 2024 year? Or do you think they'll probably be more or less, or maybe they'll just start to ramp them up and have even more comments? As I always say, time shall tell. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Vivek Ramaswamy on shutting down the ATF and also noting the government execution of citizens and their family at Ruby Ridge. Now, if you're a gun enthusiast or firearms enthusiast or just someone who believes in the Constitution, you may very well have remembered Ruby Ridge and the massacre that took place all those years ago. And we'll describe this actually in this little text that Vivek gives. And as youth, <coughs> excuse me, as youth might say, this went viral to say the least. So all the statistics were written down about 24 hours after it was posted. It got specifically 1.6 million views and 34,000 likes. Now going to the top where he does have a little graph showing on how he would reorganize the ATF and shut it, in an attempt to shut it down. Now, the text before the little graph or infograph says, quote, I'll shut down the FBI and ATF, and here's one more reason why. A voter in Iowa recently reminded me of the story of Ruby Ridge and, in, and the Weaver family. In 1992, Randy Weaver sold a sawed-off shotgun to a federal informant and was then surrounded, and they then surrounded at his cabin for refusing to appear in court. First, they killed his dog. Then they shot and killed his son, who was a 14-year-old Samuel Weaver. His wife Vicky also was shot and killed by an FBI sniper while holding their 10-month-old daughter inside their house. Weaver was later acquitted and awarded $3 million settlement by the DOJ. Another case of entrapment and disproportionate politicized abuse of federal power. I will shut down toxic three-letter agencies like the FBI and ATF that are beyond the point of incremental reform using my constitutional authority and as the U.S. president to do it. Now, the little infograph, unquote, the little infograph, he says how he shut down the ATF. So he would, looks like he shut it down to, let's see here. So here's an infograph that says 668 employees. He would take the arson explosives and reassign them to Department of Homeland Security. Criminal organization would go to the Department of Justice. Financial investigation would go to the U.S. Treasury Department. It looks like the firearms trafficking, tracing, and possession would go to the U.S. Secret Service. And unfortunately, I'm trying to see. I'll pull this up here. Curious. Let me switch to that profile. I'm. Don't think he does too many replies, but I'm curious to see if he replied to my comment. No, he did not. Oh, well. So, one of the biggest point of contentions in the firearm community or the constitutional community is the National Firearms Act, which was passed in the 1930s. And that got to the point where you had to, they basically wanted to tax your rights away. So, they wanted to make it so that individuals couldn't own things like suppressors, short barrel rifles, short barrel shotguns, and other destructive devices later. That, or they claim that's how they classified literally as destructive devices. So, in 1934, they passed the National Firearms Act. And they said, you can have these items, but you have to pay a $200 tax stamp on it. So they knew it was constitutional, and they passed it anyway, pretending, oh yeah, it's just a tax. Now keep in mind, the price of a suppressor in the 1930s was about $7. So $7, and they wanted to put a $200 tax on it. And to this day, it's still $200. The only good thing about inflation is that $200 nowadays is not as burdensome as it was in the 1930s. And even more viscerally disgusting, not only do you have to pay a $200 tax stamp on those items, we also have to pay sales tax on top of that for something that is a constitutional right. Now, I asked, and granted, 
I don't want to say a lot of people liked it, but one person did like it. Was it? I wonder who it was. But nevertheless, I asked, quote, Vivek Ramaswamy, would you repeal the National Firearms Act? At the time, they knew it was unconstitutional, but justified it by claiming it was a tax, which they made the tax stamp $200 in the 1930s. That was more than the item's value. They wanted to regulate. Now, unfortunately, one person liked that, but nevertheless, perhaps that's the most awesome person on the planet. And that does raise a good question, though, because, again, you want to shut down these apartments, but... Again, those unconstitutional laws are still around. So how would you solve that big problem? That also, if you were to subsequently delete those laws or get rid of those laws, you'd boost American manufacturing and create basically a whole new category of products overnight because that burden to purchase them would be relieved for so many people, thereby generating unprecedented demand for the products. So it would also be a great way to boost the economy. Granted, I don't know if our government really cares about doing that anymore these days, for the most part. Now, nevertheless, getting back to the comments that were much more viral than mine, in response to Vivek, and again, that got 1.6 million views and 34,000 likes. Now, one of the top comments comes from Adrian Curry, and she says, quote, Bro, please be real. I don't care if you line your pockets on the side so long as you do the shit you say you do, unquote. That got 338 likes. Now we have Luke Zaliski, who is a left... We looked at the profile of him before. He's a... Well, people describe him as a leftist. Uh, very much hates pretty much... Well, anyone has a modicum of constitutional intelligence or is a Republican. And he says, quote, Vivek is like a secret agent of our adver- that our adversaries sent to gut the criminal justice system and rule of law. But like Trump, he does it right out of the open and pretends it's politics and not overthrowing of the government orchestrated by common and marauding oligarchs and autocrats, unquote. They did get 86 likes, interestingly enough. Let's see. In a couple of contrarian statements, Steve says, quote, So you'll shut down one organization just to give all the work to another, making them either need twice the employees or do half as good a job. Brilliant, Vivek. That's about as smart as your idea of raising taxes on everyone to pay for a three to pay for three armed guards in every school. Unquote. That got four likes. So a couple of contrarian statements here. Now more of the popular ones. Christina whoopsies. Christina Huff says, quote, After Ruby Ridge and Waco, I lost all trust in the government. The government seems to forget that there's a lot of us still alive that remember what really happened at those two events. The government killed innocent people, unquote. That got 1.6 thousand likes. Lemon Jello Jones says, quote, Establish a flat tax and get rid of the IRS too, unquote. That got 1.5 thousand likes. Callan Silvers says, quote, Imagine Donald Trump and Vivek in the same administration. Follow if you'd like to see it, unquote. They got 2.5 thousand likes. Continue to go down the line here. Rob W says, quote, I don't think we have ever seen any candidate from either side lay out their plan so transparently for all voters to see. No matter <laughs> excuse me, no matter if you support Vivek or even believe in his politics, don't you wish everyone that runs for office lays out their details for his talking points, unquote. I got 636 likes, which... That would be really nice. It'd be even better if there's some type of contract where if you actually campaign for something, you don't do it, you get fired from that job subsequently. Because again, so many politicians will say, they'll promise you the world. Then, you know, once they actually start the job, nothing ever actually happens. Let's see here. Scrolling down, got more and more support for them. See here. Pack said, quote, a lousy $3 million. That's disgusting considering the payouts of victims of police-related deaths. Gross, unquote. Got 578 likes. Evergreen says, quote, Waco was another shameful event. I never trusted Democrats after that, unquote. I got 632 likes. As I scroll down, let's see here. Mulubert said, quote, the Weaver story is even worse. The informant tricked him into selling him a shotgun that was shorter than legal because of the point where of the point where the length was measured was different than Ruby under Randy understood. Federal agents rolled up and shot his dog, his son's dog, while kid was out, without announcing themselves. Unquote. Getting 85 likes, which, I mean, it's just kind of what the ATF is like. Their hobby, they really don't like dogs. I mean, just again, just look, go down the rabbit hole, seeing like their policies and procedures and how they train and what they execute in practice. There's a, you'll see something, you'll see some common themes. I'll say that much. Let's see here, Stace simply. Oh, whoops. Do one or two more. Scuba Steve says, quote, get the IRS out of here, unquote, getting 237 likes. 
Again, just overwhelming support for this idea with a couple wanting to point him in a little different directions. And I think a lot of people, let's see here, do one more. J.K. Johnny said, quote, in his little infographic, not really infographic, a little picture of the Ruby Ridge family. And the text says, quote, Ruby Ridge, never forget how far the government will go to kill you and your family, unquote. And they got 213 likes, all because he cut down the barrel of a shotgun. Which, again, if you pay the $200 tax stamp and you do the paperwork, then you are allowed to own, as long as your state allows it. On a federal level, you can. So, a $200 tax stamp, and the feds tricked him. Oh, yeah, just cut down the barrel a little bit more. And they killed his whole family. Does that sound just? I can't help but think... Oh, unfortunately, some people who really hate guns would probably say that. Or, a lot of people would also call, call those people communists. But nevertheless... Going back to the comments, it's still overwhelming support. Now, the only downside is, what's it doing to the polls? Is it actually helping him in any way? Because, again, he's he's going viral all the time. He's, say, he's having a lot of posts that will get well over a million hits. And yet, in the poll aggregator, and again, there's no such thing as a perfect poll. We're just working with what data we have at the moment. And again, just by phrasing the questions differently, you can get different results. And the sample sizes in this case aren't great. I mean, most of these sample sizes are between... It looks like the smallest sample size is 529 registered voters, and the largest sample size is 4,206 registered voters. So again, the sample sizes aren't great, but with what data we have right now, it looks like Vivek is still at 4.5%. Let me see here. Four. Yeah, so he's up a little bit down. I mean, earlier last week, he was around 4.8%. Now he's down to 4.5. And again, Trump is still at 61.3%. DeSantis is at 12.5%. Nikki Haley's at 11.5%. Uh, Vivek, again, 4.5%. Chris Christie is at 36 H. Hudson actually went up a little bit, now at 0.9%. So nearly at that 1% mark. He's been fighting to get that all for actually about a year. So it'll be interesting to see. But again, a lot of people are agreeing with him. He has a lot of policies that people really find favorable on social media. But again, we will find out shortly when the tires hit the pavement, so to say, how much of that correlates to the real world results. Other interesting political news, you have Ray Epps gets fined only $500 in community service for January 6th, further fueling the theory that he is in fact a Fed. Now, again, if you go to, we'll play a quick little video of him. This got brought to a lot of people's attention thanks to Greg Price over on X Twitter. And Greg Price said, quote, Breaking, Ray Epps, the only January 6th protester who actually told people to go into the Capitol, has been officially sentenced to serve one-year probation, $500 restitution, and 100 hours community service, while, Jan while many January 6th protesters are rotting in jail for nonviolent crimes. Epps escapes a prison term entirely, unquote. Which is true. They were literally arresting Grandma because she walked into a building and was escorted by armed guards. They actually opened up the doors. We know this thanks to Tucker Carlson releasing a lot of this footage. He had video of police opening doors and guiding people through the building. And yet a lot of those people are stuck in solitary confinement for months, and even I believe almost a year in some cases. And we'll play this quick little video of Ray. Let's see here. And again, this got 2.6 million views in 24 hours, as well as 20,000 likes. And without further ado, So 
there's a picture of him. A lot of people are protesting there at the fence. And you have Ray Epps turning to someone and whispering something. And after he whispers something, then the crowd actually pushes the fence towards the police. And at that point, it looks like the fence falls down. And then they just go all in. And you have Ray Epps running in. So you had people who are on podcasts just talking about stuff. They got sentenced to prison. And just opposed to this, he's on the ground in front of people at the Capitol telling people to go in. And he gets no jail time? A $500 fee? Really? That, that is the most blatant slap on the wrist I think I've seen in my life. That's almost as ridiculous as the two wait, two morally deplorable, mentally vacuous people who burned down to Wendy's. And I think they're they only fined like 100 or $500 as well. You can guess their political affiliation, I'm sure. And yet, $500? That's it? While other people are rotting in jail for just talking. And he's pushing around. I mean... Of all the examples where you can say this person is inciting violence, this person is yelling at people that they're going to go in, and the police are at the blockade. He's telling them to go in. He whispers something, and they all push forward. I would think of all the cases, this would be the one where they actually have a grounds to actually prosecute him. But perhaps I'm alone in this assessment. Maybe this maybe this just gets ratioed on the Twitter X, and you know everyone's they they think you know. He should have gotten not even a dollar fine. But let's dive in the comments and find out. Now, Greg Price is the first comment, so he replied to himself saying, quote, For reference, the average sentence a January 6th defendant has received is three years. For those who receive guilty pleas like Epps did, it has been two years. Yet, for the, some reason, this guy who instigated the Capitol riot has escaped with probation and community service, unquote. They got 3.1 thousand likes. Elon Musk chimed in and Elon said, quote, this verdict does seem weirdly weak, unquote. That got 5.7 thousand likes. And then Greg Price responded to Elon and Greg Price said, quote, not only that, but he was able to phone in to his sentencing hearing, whereas most of the January 6th defendants had to be present in the courtroom, unquote. That got 2.3 thousand likes. And again, it looks like he certainly is being treated specialty to say the least. Julius says, quote, tell me again how Ray Epps isn't a Fed. I'm quoting 1.4 thousand likes. There's a lot of, what do you call it? What is that term? A little cartoon caricatures of Ray Epps being a planted, like a tree, being planted in the ground. It has his name, Ray Epps, and his money on the ground. And the text says, a Fed plant. That got 310 likes, though. Let's see here. Big Fish says, quote, we should subpoena all the phone records of Ray Epps. You know his locations. And there's a lot of people taking videos and Ray Epps just happens to be standing around. They got 895 likes. Paul Sushifa says, quote, if Ray Epps wasn't a Fed, he wouldn't have been sentenced to dec he wouldn't he would have been sentenced, sorry, to decades in jail like the rest of the James Six descendants. I'm quoting six hundred and fifty four likes, which yeah, there certainly is a big discrepancy between his sentence and everyone else. Do a couple more here. Sam J says, quote, the left walks away no matter what they've done, two-tiered corrupt justice system in America, unquote. As a picture of Jesse Smollett in the caption says, quote, if January 6th was a person, unquote. And he, of course, was the mentally, morally vacuous actor who pretended and faked being attacked in Chicago by MAGA Republicans. Which, and holding, while well, he was just holding onto his subway sandwich. Which, the first big flag, red flag in that instance was MAGA wearing, hat-wearing Republicans in Chicago. Yeah, those, yeah, that doesn't exist. That juxtaposition of that text and Jesse Spillett got 729 likes. Let's see here. Big Brother says, quote, the feds and their D.C. court counterparts aren't even trying to hide it anymore. January 6th was in this job, unquote, getting 401 likes. Let's see here. Sarah Hingdon says, quote, this will be scrubbed from his record and you won't have to do any of that. 
that is clearly a public-facing show to say he can't be a Fed. He was prosecuted, unquote. Got 262 followers. Sassafrasa84 says, quote, this infuriates the hell out of me. Two-tiered justice, unquote, getting 263 likes. Stop Woke Culture says, quote, unbelievable. Epps is a Fed, unquote, getting 369 likes. Woke Society says, quote, absolutely effing joke of a justice system we have in this country, unquote, getting 590 likes. And as I scroll down, Oh, Zero Dad says, quote, ask a Democrat if it was Alex Jones doing what Epps did on video, would it be the same outcome, unquote? I got 55 likes, and yeah, it brings about a good point. Alex Jones was fined trillions of dollars by simply talking on a show about conspiracy theory. I believe it was actually like 1.3 trillion or some, it was more than GDP in most countries. And it's clearly meant as a punishment and to send a message. And yeah, in this case, again, this guy has the biggest slap on the wrist I have ever seen in my life. See here, and uh, so this keeps rolling more and more. I don't see really any. I'm not seeing any contrarian statements like you normally do. I mean, this is almost the reverse ratio, as some might say, or the reverse Chris Christie, where we do have a phenomenon where Chris Christie. It's actually fascinating. There are some times where he will post something on X Twitter and get zero positive responses, which is statistically impossible. It's presumably, he has family, friends, a campaign staff, maybe. And yet, sometimes he gets zero positive responses. This is the antithesis. This has pretty much everything is just positive and agreeing with the original statement. Perhaps because of the overwhelming evidence and perhaps just common sense. So it'll be interesting to see if we just get this filtered, I was going to say, it's not even filtered, watered-down justice, this moderate illusion of justice where, again, he got the biggest slap on the wrist I've ever seen in my life. I can't but think this is just erode what little faith there is in the justice system. And it'll be interesting to see at the end of the day, do we actually hear the truth about Ray Epps in terms of his actual involvement, in terms of did he have, was he following orders by someone else most likely? I mean, was it'll be interesting to see if we ever, at the end of the day, find the real truth about Ray Epps. Now, going over to the business blunder of the day, you have Ford Focus Recall. Apparently, the quality team over there was not, in fact, focused on their job. Although, interestingly enough, they're a unionized workforce that are paid more than most of the competition. I thought we'd, they'd have the best results for, you know, checking all of that. But fascinatingly enough, they actually have the lowest quality vehicles in instance of the unionized labor. I'm sure that's a coincidence, though. Now, going to this article from Emily DeLetter on USA Today, <laughs> they note that more than... 100,004 vehicles have been recalled following an issue with the loss of oil pressure that could increase the risk of a crash. Now, specifically, it looks like a total of 139,730 units are potentially affected by the recall. They know that it looks like it is the 2016 to 2018 Ford Focus and the 2018 to 2022 Ford EcoSport vehicles. It looks like apparently after the oil drive pump Drive, sorry, oil pump drive belt or drive belt tensioner may fail, which could result in the loss of engine oil pressure. According to the recall notice from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, the loss of oil pressure can result in an engine stall and loss of power braking assist, which could result in a risk of crash and increase the risk of crash. Which, geez louise, I, I don't know how... I don't know who's working their quality assurance team or their testing team. I don't know, perhaps they're inebriated by drinking Bud Light, but Ford's had a rough couple months where they've had, I mean, also they had a recall and it was iconic product. Again, I am not a doctor. However, if you click the subscribe button, it very well may assist my speaking ineptitudes and stuttering. There's no guarantees in life. They're, truth be told, there might be just one or two, very few to say the least. But if you click the subscribe button, it very well may assist with my speaking ineptitudes, help me slow down my speech pace as well as my work in my enunciation and decrease my stuttering just saying it's worth a shot again back to the article i don't know if they're just not testing these enough or if this just quality control is just inebriated with Bud light or if they're just missing it but again that's a lot of those vehicles it's literally just under 140,000 vehicles and even worse it's actually detrimental to the engine and the you know the life the life of the vehicle is the powertrain it's one thing if you have a little, you know, maybe you have a recall because there's a loose, loose bolt in the armrest or something ancillary that really doesn't make any difference at the end of the day. Maybe like a vent for the back seat for the air conditioning back there. That you can still get to work. You still, you know, operate the vehicle just fine. It's not safe, not detrimental to the safety of the passenger or the driver. But 
in this case, not only is it detrimental in terms of, yeah, it could actually destroy the engine, the most expensive complex part of the vehicle, but it could actually also endanger other drivers because, again, if this happens mid-drive, you're on the highway, or some type of inclement weather, you get stuck. I mean, in those cases, it can actually cause an accident because you're losing some of the functions, the core functions of the vehicle. So again, Ford just keeps having all these recalls and to have a recall on something that, granted, they don't make the focus anymore. They're focusing, primarily intended, on trucks, SUVs, and crossovers, with the exception of the Mustang. But still, you're, it's not great for their brand, which used to be known, ironically, perhaps, as Ford Tough. And to have a recall that affects so many vehicles that is detrimental to the life cycle of the vehicle and potentially a safety hazard, I gotta say, that is the business blunder of the day. Thank you again, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. Again, we're trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of January. So if you click that button, I really appreciate it. Also, leaving a thumbs up and a comment is a great way to give me some additional feedback. So let me know how I can improve the quality of the show. Also helps with the YouTube algorithm and helps some more people see it. Also, don't forget to take time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.